right, guys. Well, we're on week two with Pastor Jonathan, and we want to uncover more nuggets of leadership gold with you. Leadership is simply influencing people who are in your circles of influence. And, and that's what God's called each of us to do. We believe that. And Jonathan, once again, thanks for being with us and taking time to share more about what God's been doing. Let, let's talk risk, because leadership, no matter what your level of leadership, no matter where you're leading, no matter who you're leading, even if it's just yourself, there's times that you have to take big risks. So so one of the things that uh, actually Scott and I were getting together beforehand, and we were just hanging out talking, um, but um, Jonathan, you'd had to double down a number of times, but uh, I'm going to kind of... What does that mean, double down? Does that mean like like put somebody in a headlock or? No, that means like <laughs> ask the hard question okay. or, or do right. the hard thing. But um, the moment you can't go back on, right? You know, like for, this at is what I. At one believe. point, I mean, you've always. I mean, I knew that you wanted to be a missionary, and and yeah. that, and, and God changed that direction. But but the um, you were here, and at one time you had to get involved in the the leadership of the CMA. And so here you, you know, you basically, I don't want to say made it as a young man. You got a, a big church. We got what, six, how many, how many members? 6,000 members? Yeah, average attendance is in the, you know, high 3,000s, but probably everyone who calls Grace Church their church home is probably close to what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And so you went from this nice little pond yeah. that was yours, a little, little pond, mm-hmm. to this big pond. Yeah. And so you, you basically had to take a risk to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody would have ever expected it from you or, or demanded it from you. In yeah. fact, they're probably, you probably take some heat for it. Mm-hmm. But you said, no, I'm willing to lead at the next level. Was that not scary for you? Yeah, there was. I knew when I came to Grace, and again, this is sort of an inside story. Uh, we had conversations that uh, I knew that it might be a two years, and then I'd be done, because a number of people told me they said you're going to be a sacrificial lamb. Hmm. Um, it never works well to follow a longtime leader. And you look at corporately; it's not just you know or nonprofits; it's not just in churches. But uh, so they said your dad's been there, you know, thirty six years when I came and. And so you come in, you're gonna. It's not gonna last long. And I said, I realize that, but it's obedience to Jesus. Mm. I have to obey Him. The Lord was challenging me in my life. It wasn't like this was the first time I was taking a risk. It was more He was cultivating that in my life. The risks just felt bigger now. Mm. And so uh, at Grace in these last 23 years, there have been times <laughs> where early on we would say our mission demands that we bring on some staff members even though we don't have the money in the budget yet. Wow. Or we're going to go for a, building a new facility. Or we've been a part of, I think it's been nine helping nine new churches to begin in those 23 years. You're sending out people who you l- love dearly, who are leaders, and, you know, they're... Like hundreds for each one, right? Uh, and the last few, yeah. At least 200. Yeah, to say, yeah, I think you'd say it might be 150, let's say, but... But there are people who are often like, they really get the vision and they're willing mm. and to say, am I willing to send those people out? And then more recently, sometimes leaders from our staff to say, God has raised them up. He's calling them to a new role. Are we willing to be an Acts 13 kind of church and say, for the sake of the kingdom, 
we're going to take these risks. So whether it's in, you know, uh, sending out staff, uh, launching people into churches, and then really from Mary and me personally, one area for us has been just in our own personal generosity. We've always felt called to say we want to give way more than 10%. And and I think that God has used that to cultivate in me a sense of he will always meet me when I take faith-filled risks, that he's always shown his faithfulness, that I can never outgive him, whether it's in my own personal giving or in with people or in some other way, to say uh, he loves his kingdom and his church more than I do, and he's doing just going to do just fine. Thank you. I think that's, that translates for so many different roles, too, not just as a senior pastor, right? Yeah. As, a, as a father, as a husband, as an employee, in so many facets of life, that that that's a huge nugget for all of us to take away. Yeah, I have I have a question. So I've definitely it's you know coming in as a young leader, it's it's sometimes you get in these circles. This will sound a little frank, but where when you encounter older leaders, I, I might be eager to learn from them, but it's almost as though like they're stressed between by like the chasm between us. And so they want to like sit you down and institute you. Uh, my gr- one of my greatest fears as a leader is to almost become like out of touch or irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it get more difficult to understand and care about culture and upcoming generations as you continue in leadership? That's good. Yeah, and I think it's so easy to get either lazy or recalcitrant. Is that the word? Stubborn in yeah. the way that we view things. I mean, I see, things I just I learned something new. What yeah. is it? Recalcitrant. Yeah, I, think, I think that's the word. I yeah, just got but... my GED yesterday, <laughs> man. Quit pushing on me, man. You know, Jordy, my dad. I always loved a dad when I came. Even in, you know when I came here, he was sixty-seven, but when he died, he was eighty-four. And in those seventeen years, he would be so open to new ideas. We'd get into like a, a prayer gathering for the region that was, you know, very fringe, you know, way beyond, you know, where maybe I was comfortable. He'd, he'd come away and go, those people really love Jesus. Hmm. And I, instead of like, did you see what they were doing with their hands or the noises they were making? <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> and uh, so he was open. So, but now I'm learning how much I can glean from those from their 20s. One of the things we've done at Grace is to say, instead of just bringing on people who've had lots of experience, we're better when we bring on 20-somethings. Yeah. You know, when we have the Geordies and the, you know, Joe Lamonts and Josiahs and, and Bethany Bell and all, a lot of people on our staff team are in their 20s or maybe early 30s that we grow from them. So am I willing to listen, to learn, to realize that they're keeping abreast of things better than I am with social media? Like it's a first language for you and a second language for me, or maybe a fourth language. <laughs> and I'm even learning this in my family, my 20-something kids. It's really interesting the conversations we have. I wish you guys could be a part of some of them. We'll have some pretty raw conversations about issues in the world today. And I have to really say, Jonathan, listen, just because you've been there, Chris, do you have that with your oh adult kids? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, my. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. I can't take it. Uh, and you'll sometimes hear them say something. You'll go, I need to ponder that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've, but it's hard to acknowledge I've been wrong for 30 years yeah. or however many years. Yeah. I, I think that's got to be so hard. Like coming in young, it's easy to say, well, we need to be more open minded. But like when the world changes, I just so quickly want to be like, Psh. yeah, like I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going there. I yeah. know in men's ministry, one of the things that I, I hear from younger guys a lot is, well, I can't, I can't go to that Bible study because I haven't arrived yet. Hmm. Right. And so, I think one thing that we 
as guys need to embrace is how do we allow younger guys, invite younger guys to have a seat at the table and not tell them what they need to know, yeah. but ask them to tell me maybe something I could or something I need to know. And don't you think, Scott, too, it's creating a culture where they will feel free to come to you? Yes. So right. a couple of weeks ago, Jordy uh, contacts me and he says, hey, I have a question about something here. And it was really, res- you know, it was very respectful and everything. But he asked a question that God had prompted Mary and me earlier in the day to have a conversation. He asked a question that was like a second of the motion that we're going... Should we do something in a series coming up on? And then he asked a question that was like the Holy Spirit going, that's exact. If you wanted a reminder, I'm going to tell you through a guy who's 28. How old are you? 28. 28 years old. And But Jordy asked in a way, it was, again, thought, like Chris, you said, it was very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Like he had really put yeah. his, it wasn't like, Jonathan, you're way off. You're missing the boat on this. It was more, how do you approach this and why do you do it? And I'm wondering about, and... And I, I felt encouraged, and it was, and I hope Jordy would say, we have a culture on our team where he says, you know, I could go with another question. I'm not going to be spurned or looked down on or something like that. Yeah. That actually, he helped to turn the dial on something here. You know, I, I, I work with Jordy on a weekly basis, and I oversee all of life stages. That's one of my roles here at Grace Church. And so I get to work with all these people, men and women who are just like Jordy, your age, and I learn so much from them. Hmm. It, it blows me away that I would say that my mentality growing up and even the experience I had when I was when I was Jordy's age was you haven't arrived yet. Right. That that was the example I had. And to break my mindset of that, it, I don't know about for you, Jonathan or Chris. Like it's hard to break that mindset, but when you do. The blessings, oh my gosh. Like I walk away from a conversation with some of these people and I'm like, oh my gosh, they are so smart. Yeah. And I had no clue. I had no idea. And it's not about culture. It could be about theology, could be about yeah. a lot of things. And I walk away like, oh my gosh. And didn't years ago there used to be a saying that, you know, the church was like seven years behind the change of cultures. Like, and now, I mean, again, you're dealing with a good portion of our staff. Half our staff is, is, been raised in the technology area so things are moving quickly yeah and and you just can't go oh this is working and we're gonna ride it until it's dead yeah and and that's not happening anymore i mean right i mean so how do you as again to repeat the question you know how are you as a leader going forward in a world where there's technology that i don't even know about the talker ticker you know <laughs> you had to get that in right you got it. i had to get it in. right it, it, it was there he i took the shot he knows how to say all of these things <laughs> yeah you know i one thing we have a guy on our team eric hansen and eric is like jordy you know some of these young leaders i just go lord thank you they're so gifted and knowledgeable and so we'll be talking about something with live stream about, you know, like the Alliance wants us to register attendance. And we're like, I have no idea how to do that. Or could we do this? Or do we have the capacity as a staff team to, to go a certain direction? And we'll often have to, we talk to Eric and we say, Eric, what do you think? How's the team? And I think Eric has such a knowledge that for him, he also will sometimes even say, 
you don't have to explain to me how it works. I just need to know if it's doable. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's so uh, true. You could talk an hour, and I wouldn't even understand it. Although yeah, they make very it accessible, much like a prodigy. But he's and, and so for them, they. I think we, we're going to need to have a sense of team, bringing young people to the table. Yeah, and, and which say, is different. That's new, yeah. right? Yeah. What, what I mean, talking about new. What do you think? How do you think the leader of the future? differs from the leader of the past. Mm, yeah. Would you guys agree that I think now more than maybe ever, young people smell inauthenticity? Oh my gosh. Yes. Like if they see something that they go, that's like a pastor voice or a leadership voice, or you're just being fake. It doesn't matter if you're a pa- wherever you lead, but it could be being a, a dad or being, but they'll say, Oh please, that's just like that's just leadership speak yeah. or whatever, and they they'll write you off very quickly because they watch so many podcasts and YouTube, all the rest. That if you're not authentic and genuine, then they're going to say, "No, I'm done. I'm moving on." So the, the, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I like that you use the word smell. I use that too. I always say they can huh. sniff it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And we talked about that a little bit earlier today. Yep. Um, emotional intelligence. Yep. They have it. I, it's crazy. It's off the charts. And I think the more that we are around people who are like that, and I don't think it's just an age thing, by the way, but the way when we're around people more and more like that, we become like that and we can learn from them. And then we start to smell it. And you can start to smell someone who's not authentic or transparent. And it, I, I'm just going to be totally honest. There are times I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so disgusting. And <laughs> I used to be just like that. Yeah. You know, and how many times, like, I really believe that that was leadership and that was good. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, there, there's that difference between truth and transparency. Sometimes you need that. But I think more and more, we want transparency. And learning to leadership. know that certain people, you can be, you just can't be open and honest. I mean, let's, right. let's, they're not safe. To these yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. If you're, right. this is all great stuff, but you need to be in a safe yes. yeah. community to be, to be authentic to a certain level. I mean, but there's some people that are naturally, I, I, I've got to tell the story, okay? So we're in Africa, Jonathan and I. We're, <laughs> he's he's going to laugh. We went to Gabon. Yeah. And uh, terrific trip. It was like amazing. And so we were all sleeping in this big dorm room. And so I would watch, Jonathan would get up in the morning. I'm like, you know, he can't be this nice 24 7. So that was my mission going on a trip. Forget the people, forget the work we're doing. I'm going to see if Jonathan is authentic. And he woke up, hi, Chris, how are you? And I'm like, okay. And I text Joyce, you know, because I still can text him, like, oh, he's like really nice in the morning, too. I don't know how he does it, you know. But, uh, but I think it's a lifestyle that you've had to make a choice to do yeah. is to be, uh, to, you're, you're saying, I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm going to be a kind guy, but you had to make a choice to do that. Yeah. Which nor- normally, I mean, in the world, leaders aren't really nice yeah. guys. Go ahead. Well, and it wasn't a choice for your image; it was a choice for your true whole self. Exactly, and I think when you say the fruit of the spirit, we'd often just do the first couple, like love, joy, peace. But you go, it right. does say kindness yeah. and yeah. gentleness, and and so if people, you know, coaches, you guys have been on sports teams and or you've watched leaders. It used to be an NFL coach or other coach could lead by the authority of their position. Hmm. Right. Even dad's going, why do you do it? You do it because I told you so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I tried that. It didn't and, work. <laughs> yeah. And you say, now you see coaches who say they get into the heart yeah. or the motivation. Yeah. They go, 
I believe that you want to be, to live into the gifting that God has given you something unique and special. I want to help you get there. Are you willing to work, to do the work, to put in the hard work? But I want you to know, I'm going to come to you personally. I'm in your corner. And it's not, if we can lead by position or title, the less we do. I remember Charlie Walters telling me, he said, we were talking about the main time to lead in with your position or title is when you're in an absolute crisis. Like for him, it's when you're at a fire. You're going, hey, and Chris, you'd remember this, right? A firefighter. But you, you're not going, hey, would you be willing to <laughs> You're like, you're telling them, but they know you've built a right. trust with them in the calm times right. that uh, you don't use that directive leadership except in the middle when there's a raging fire, figuratively or literally. And they've, they've come to know that you're going to speak truth. You're yeah. going to speak words of life is yeah. what you're, like you've said a couple minutes ago, we need to have a lifestyle of speaking words of life. Mm-hmm. It just has to be a natural thing, whether they're at a high intensity yep. or low intensity, but they have to be words of life. Pastor Jonathan, what tensions do you spend a lot of just mental energy trying to balance as a leader? Like maybe there's, you know, kind of this thing you're always leaning between, maybe it's truth and grace. Um, is there anything like that? That's great. I had a professor once in college who said that we want to maintain the center of biblical tension. So I think in topics, it's easy to go to one extreme or another. Mm-hmm. And even to, to the, you know, the principle in hermeneutics, Bible interpretation of letting one passage interpret another, that often that sense of, okay, how do we maintain, you know, in, in a contentious season in our country, even Satan quotes scripture in Matthew 4, but Jesus corrects the way he uses scripture inappropriately. So yeah, maintaining biblically to say, this is true, but what about this over here? But in my own personal leadership, if we're talking about leadership, a couple things. One would be the difference between what's good and what's essential or great. Hmm. And don't let the good be the enemy of the great. Hmm. We all can do good stuff, hmm. but then miss the great stuff that God is calling us to do. And for me, especially as grace has grown, my leadership responsibility has grown. For me, the painful part of this and where I spend mental energy is what things does the Lord, is he calling me to give away to other people? And there's two reasons. I just talked to someone about this this past week. For one, it's going to help me survive. Hmm. If I try to do everything, I'm not... And there are things I love to do. I grieve that I don't Hmm. do hospital visits anymore or counseling or I don't Hmm. lead the preparation for marriage class and lots of other things. But the other aspect of that is I get to see other people develop and and to see them become leaders. Hmm. And when I hear people say, like, we just had... Uh, you know, recently hear Joe Lamont preach. If I hear people say, wow, that was a great message, or someone else preaches on our staff, uh, I'm at a point in my life where I go, I want people I work with to hit home runs. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Not to be threatened by that, but to say, I want people to go, I can't wait till he speaks again. Yeah. That for me is a win. So, because I'm seeing people develop. So, that's part of my role is to say, um, what do I give away? to help others develop, but also to help me survive. And related to that, I have a principle I come back to, put the people you value most into your calendar first. Mm. Put the people you value most into your calendar first. And that's a tension I face. I made a mistake. And by the way, if we did another podcast here, I did a leadership talk once on 10 mistakes I've made in leadership. A lot of things I've learned, you know, you learn from... And this is one of them, that there was a summer where I, I ended up scheduling weddings and other events, and I realized I scheduled my family right out of, out of a vacation. Yeah. And I, I had to uh, do some painful I think I remember that. Yeah, and I was like, I can't believe I did this. Now, 
my kids laugh at me because I'm planning, you know, like <laughs> 12 to 18 months in advance. They're always like, Dad, we love the fact you're always wanting to get together. But I'm trying to, I said, no pressure, you guys. No <laughs> pressure. If you want to get together, we're planning on this. But January but, 2nd, you'll be on a plane. <laughs> yeah. So putting things in, in a place to say, how does my family, and that was something I started back when my kids were, but it was a time when they were in elementary school and I thought, I need to, I need to make sure that that's a tension. How do yeah. I balance uh, self-care, emotional replenishment with the work I love doing in ministry? Do you think there was a, a moment in your career here at Grace Church or whatever that you uh, you said something a couple of minutes ago about you're you're excited at someone else's success? That's what I heard you yeah, say. Yeah, and. I think that, that that changed mine and Joyce's mm-hmm. life is is that we're around people. And I, and I joke around. I say, I'd like to be with people that sell, that have bigger shrimps at their party. Yeah. You know, I'm happy with <laughs> successful people because yeah. they've got big shrimp. You come to my house, you've got those little tiny ones, you know. <laughs> and they're still frozen. And they're yeah. still frozen. <laughs> <laughs> and there's ketchup instead of cocktail yeah, sauce. Right. <laughs> but was there a yeah. moment in your life where you're like, no, I, I'm, I mean, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my career anymore it's about their career is that yeah there was a time that i think early in my ministry where it was a painful time Uh, i won't go into the details because it involves someone else who's become a friend but they were not in the best place in leadership and they were a leader in my life but it was very much about image and about uh, how people view you and it I, i was like this doesn't it's like you're always putting your finger up in the air to see which way the wind is blowing mm. of people's opinion. Mm. And when I finally came to the place of saying about probably three or four years into ministry, my identity is firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. I wish I would have written that song, yeah. I know who I am who you say I am. Mm. wish I would have known that like 30 years ago. But that sense of I know who you say I am, I am who you say I am. And I'm loved and accepted by my Father in heaven. Heaven awaits. And so I would say... Mentally, I knew it then, Chris, but when did I really cheer people on if I heard someone go, you ought to have that guy preach more, let's just say that, or, you know, better watch out, he might become the senior pastor here. Uh, You know, there'd be a little bit of a tinge of, and I think it just keeps on lessening, and now when I hear that, I go, wow, Lord, who are you going to raise up? Mm -hmm. Or I'm thrilled that they love hearing that person, you know, they're a gifted communicator, and uh, that's fantastic. I really genuinely feel excited when when I see the people around me succeed, even in areas where maybe I feel is maybe part of my role. Hey, I've learned some big lessons over the years that are obvious that just, what are some epiphanies yeah. that you have had along the way? Yep, I'll share two. One is, for anybody listening here, you don't have to lead big to lead with impact. It could mm. be in a group of guys at a men's fraternity table, it could be with two children. It could be with the foster kids. It could be anywhere. You might even have a title, but you can lead in a fairly small area. You look at Jesus, and he had mainly 12 guys and changed the world, right? And so uh, you don't have to lead a big crowd to have big impact. That's That'd good. be one, is uh, don't despise the day of small things. And secondly, I had this sense unconsciously in leadership and in parenting that, if, that there was a formula. That if I did A plus B plus C, it was going to equal D. Wow. So if I spent time with my kids, I took them on, you know, daddy dates, and I, you know, I read the right books and all the rest, I wouldn't have said this, but unconsciously, I would look at other parents who maybe had a child who was Mm -hmm. going through a tough time, and I thought, 
I wonder what went wrong in their house. Yeah. <laughs> and I would think that. And I, I don't know why I thought that. And, and I thought that in leadership, like, yeah, they've had two people leave their team. I wonder what that senior pastor or that leader is doing wrong. Like, mm. it must be. And then I started going, wait a second. When Jesus built into leaders for three years, at his greatest point of need, they all ran away. <laughs> one of them denied he even knew him. The other one sold him to be killed. Yeah. Is that something that Jesus did wrong? Or what about Adam and Eve? If God the Father was a perfect father and they still walked away from him, mm. Mm, wow. it wasn't about him not being a good dad. Wow. That's or about uh, when you think of Paul with uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, he talks about in First Timothy chapter 1, he says, I've committed those guys to Satan. These were guys who were colleagues of his. And you say, so was Paul a failure as a leader? I think I look, looking back, there was something I thought, if someone struggled on the team morally or ethically or they left the team, I thought, I did something wrong. Or in parenting, when one of your kids would get in trouble, and Chris, you could probably relate a little bit. Yeah. Um, you have great kids, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying because of your... Yeah. So for, uh, for Chris and Matt and Jesse and Danielle, if they happen to listen to this one... But we all, when your kids get older, they go through their own seasons, their well, own They make journeys, their own choices. And yeah. you realize that there's, they have free will. Right. There's, God doesn't operate with us in a formula, and we can operate in, as leaders with a formula. And that's that was a good. big change. I'm confident someone's listening and they're thinking, well, doesn't the Bible say, hey, train your child up in a way he should Great go? Great question. Would you push back and what would you say to that? I would say that is not a promise. It's a proverb. It's a proverb. It's, that's uh-huh. all about hermeneutics. It's about literary genre and the scripture. Because if you read other Proverbs and it says that the man who works hard is going to, be, is going to make a lot of money, or you know, if you do this, you're going to live a long yeah. life, and, and you go, oh, well, if they died of, the, of cancer at the age of 26, they must have been terrible. Like They didn't honor their parents, because if you honor your parents, you live a long life. Yeah. And you go, no, that's a proverb, that generally this is the way things work. And I would say in parenting, when we take that as a promise instead of a proverb, we're misreading scripture. And parents, I've seen parents, the enemy, if you're a dad or a mom listening today, you're going to relate to what I say. The enemy will absolutely have a heyday oh my gosh. and try to beat the pulp out of you yeah. Yeah. on this one that you're a terrible dad. If you would have done this differently, a terrible mom because you didn't go to that one show and tell your daughter did in second mm-hmm. grade yeah. and because you were on a business trip somewhere. And and you can rack yourself silly, yeah. and, and the Father in heaven is going, no, I love you. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and if you made a mistake, because we all did, apologize for them, offer to help pay for your kids' counseling. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible when you tell your kids, you're going to have to go to counseling. <laughs> well, how about... How about because uh, I, I I wrestle a little bit with that, right? Because yeah. I think I've had people throw stuff at me, mm-hmm. and it's made me wrestle with like, well, what does this scripture mean then? If those were not promises, what about you know in First Timothy or Titus one, where it talks about to you know leadership, yeah, and manage your household well? H- how do you balance those two? Herman, you know, yeah. if we talk about hermeneutics, how do you how do you bring those two together, and what does it mean as a dad? Yeah. Um, where, where's the or line? Is there a line or a mom? Yeah. Like, is there a line or does the line fluctuate sometimes? Like how, that's the hard part about yeah. scripture and, and being a follower of Jesus. I remember my dad one time saying, if you took that scripture, first Timothy three or Titus one absolutist, 
he said, I would have resigned my, <laughs> about, about 30 times because yeah. he had nine kids. And he goes, you guys had some problems through the years, right? And so, you know. But, the, uh, but for those of us who know your dad, like to hear him say that, like that, that brings us comfort as dads, yeah. right? And so is the direction of the family. You know, the first cigarette I ever smoked was one of my siblings. You, know, that <gasps> you was- smoked a cigarette? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know how to smoke it, so I started like crazy. <laughs> and so I, uh, but those are the kind of things. And, and so we look at what is the direction yeah. of the family? Is overall there a sense of that household? If someone looked in the inside, they go, mm-hmm. you know, even when someone goes astray, they have the tough conversations, yeah. they love each other well. And so if you have a family where there's like, you know, like in my dad, if nine kids all had left the faith, you go, uh, or they were all in jail. Uh, you say something might not be right, right there in the home, but you have to look at what's the over. Is he managing the household well? And you yeah. say he is, even if we have some little detours along the way. That's really good. And, and we've over the years had elders come to you and say, "Hey, my daughter's pregnant," yeah. and you've had to work through that as a leader, right? And did you have to wrestle with that, or was it just? Right, we did, and, and you know, in that situation, um, situations, uh, they would generally continue on unless they felt like I need to give so much time to my family. Right. But if a guy's marriage, let's say, was falling apart, we would usually say it's you need to be more in a place of like right. on the injured reserve right. to give attention to your marriage, and you're probably not in a place where you can be an example to the flock. So it depended on the situation. It's not like there's never a time to say this might disqualify, but it's not going to be like any little sin. Like you lost your temper and it says you can't be a person easily yeah. angered, so you're you'll never be a leader. Uh, yeah, that's not the case. I think it's more like function versus dysfunction. Like yeah, is this a that's functional? good. Yeah, that's Ooh, great. That's good. good way to say. Jordan, Which, he puts it in a pithy I way. I tell you, give him a dollar Summarize sign on that. Yeah. <laughs> ding ding. All right. Well, this will be our last question. Is there an underemphasized shortcoming that you think holds? If we were to say that everybody's a leader. Is there an underemphasized shortcoming or maybe a few that you think hold most people back from stepping into the leadership that God has called them to? Yeah. I think in leadership, there are so many aspects of leadership you can talk about. If I were to come back to one, and I'll just say, because this, I can see the temptation in my own life, that your leadership influence begins to surpass the healthiness of your soul. Hmm. And by that, I mean this, that you can continue, people might start to say, hey, wow, you're a good leader. You get a promotion, you're leading six people at work, and then they bump you up again, or or maybe you lead in some way, and people begin to see you as a leader, and they just make assumptions that your soul is okay. Yeah. You're walking in integrity, mm. your love for Jesus is growing, there's other things. And when you see men and women who have gone off the rails in their leadership. At some point, if you were to trace back, you'd go, they began to neglect the health of their soul. So Mm. when Paul says to the elders in Acts chapter 20, he says, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock. To Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, he says, keep watch over your life and doctrine closely. Both times he goes, he starts with watch yourself. Self-leadership is where it begins Mm. and where it ends and where it is in the middle. So if I don't have a position of leadership, at least if I'm walking with Jesus vibrant, I'm going to have an overflow of my life, just the Holy Spirit 
overflow of my life is going to touch the people around me, whether I'm on a plane or with a neighbor or whatever. But if I begin to neglect my relationship with Jesus and back to our pressing on theme of this podcast, and I'm not really saying everything else is a loss compared to knowing and loving him, I begin to start to grow cold in my spirit and eventually leads to sin. I start to get a look for a jolt of energy in my life of adrenaline that is out of bounds and it could be anything, porn, it could be some kind of gamble, it could be it could be lots of things. And then I end up doing a private sin because I don't want people to know that I'm not the leader, I think. Right. And then I begin to have a division between a who I am in my outer life and who I am in my inner life. So I would say self-leadership. That's Keep watch over yourself. That's, a, I mean, it, it really takes us back to what we're here for, right? Which is, Am I taking those steps in my journey with Jesus to become a better version of myself tomorrow than what I am today? Yeah. And, um, well, Jonathan, thank you for taking time today. Thank you. This is, um, you know, we're a, a long time in, and I could ask another hundred questions, and I'm sure the guys sure. would love to hear that. But thank you so much for taking the I time today. Say again, it's been a great conversation, and I love your guys' podcast. So I just want to tell people listening, if for some reason you said, hey, I want to hear what stories Jonathan tells, I want to encourage you to go back to previous podcasts because God has spoken to me. And to hear the three of you relate as you know, a young guy, middle-aged guy, and a in a seasoned, seasoned. veteran. <laughs> I would just encourage you, I'm don't in, miss I'm out. In a, I'm in a reinventing stage <laughs> right now in my life. Uh, so hey, thanks, you guys. Speaking of something, can I just add to this a little bit? Sure. So we were talking about what are you doing to maintain your your soul? Where are you mm-hmm. at? You know, are you, I mean, is that a question we can ask these guys that are listening right now? What are you doing? What do you, are, do you have a... Do you have a plan in place to, to do it? Me personally, yeah, Joyce and I, she just retired. I've, I've kind of wound down in my real estate. I'm still doing it here. And you can call me a two and six. No. Uh, <laughs> but, he does a great job. But, but what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do is um, I, I've gone back to the beginning. How does my day start? Yeah. Am I having a quiet time? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm waking up in the morning. I'm saying before you can walk out the door, you have to have a quiet time. Well, I joined uh, CrossFit. And yeah. so I'm going oh, to great. CrossFit. And, and I'm saying, get your mind right. Next thing is, is go home and spend time, have breakfast with your, your wife. If you don't have a plan, you're yep. not going to do anything. Yep. Training habits, right? Yep. Yeah. For your soul you, and your body. You, taking those next steps in what we do. Actually, today, I, I'm going to do a 24-hour time away down okay. at my parents' cabin. No one's down there. And I'm just going to spend time with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. I, I don't do a full day very often, but usually I do half days. And but. how often do you do that? The 24-hour, I probably do that like maybe twice a year. But twice a month, I do a half day away. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, uh, that is really good stuff. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? I found I just started diving back into memorizing Scripture, and I'm, I'm doing this Bible reading plan that is more Bible reading than I think I've done in a while. And I'm already seeing my habits starting to change. Mo and I were just cool. talking about that last night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so many people doing the Bible in one year, taking time. Chris, I'm with you. Before I look at my email or I seek to say, Jesus, my first time of the day is going to be with you. I know that's not for everybody. Some people say, my nighttime is when I'm most, you know, my mind is best. Uh, but for me, I know if I don't get started early in the day, sort of saying, I want to set my agenda with him, that my day, I can my RPMs can start going so fast. It, I, it, acknowledging that he's God and I'm not. Yeah. It, it doesn't take a long time. What do you do, Jordy? Yeah, I'm I'm the evening person. Yep. I, I appreciate the a lot of people. Heathen. A lot of people throw shade at the evening person. They're like, 
if you're really doing it, you'll do the morning, but at least do the evening. <laughs> you know, some people say in the Jewish day that it's evening and morning. Yes. You know, that, you're, that your day starts, starts in the evening. In the evening. Yeah. yeah, and you're before you go to bed, oh, like, what is your mind? So maybe yeah. that's the more uh, biblical way. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I just read it in a book. Batterson just wrote a yeah, book, yeah. and he actually says that, that you're more godly than Jonathan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See? See? You're in. There we go. I'm gonna Did get you get a raise with that, too? Yeah. Ready, Ask so. him for a raise. That's man. great. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Pastor Jonathan, again, thank you. This was awesome. Sure. The nuggets that we uncovered were awesome. So, guys, may you take those next steps in your journey with Jesus so you can become a better version of yourself tomorrow than you are today. God bless, man. Amen. See ya. Guys, I really enjoyed that.